This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. This is the Chasing the Tide Saltwater segment on the Palin Fin Network. I'm your host, Dustin Nichols. Come along for the Saltwater Shenanigans. All right, welcome everybody to another Chasing the Tide Saltwater segment here on the Fallon Fin Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dustin Nichols. Tonight, I got an epic guest, Matthew Van. What's up, man? I'm, I'm, I'm stoked <laughs> on the show, dude. I've been waiting to get you on here. You know, stoked to have you on. What's going on tonight, man? Awesome, man. I'm happy to be here. Uh, just looking forward to getting down and getting dirty with you and uh, letting you know oh, yeah. what I got going on over here. So every, everything is all good, man. Right on, man. Well, we'll start out with, uh, you know, just uh, introduce yourself and tell everybody a little bit about yourself. You know, hometown, where you live now, some family-oriented things and all that, whatever you want to dive into. Right. All right, man. Matthew Van um, here in Pensacola, Florida. I was born and raised here, uh, married to uh, my wife, Stacy. I have uh, five sons that range from 12 to 25. Uh, so that's like that's like my main deal. That's my pride and joy. Um, I grew up here uh, basically fishing for bass, uh, brim, catfish, the Scambia River and all the swamps around it. Um, soon as I got out of high school, I pretty much tore out of here. Uh, I was ready to go see bigger and better things. Of course, you know how we are when we're young. We, we want something more than what we got. So yes. I headed out west um, and uh, just, you know, spent a lot of time fly fishing out there, salmon, steelhead, trout. Um, but And I, I got that because when I grew up here, I was bass fishing and brim fishing all the time. But every summer we would go and spend a month up in North Carolina. So I picked up fly fishing at a very early age. Um, my passion for trout is pretty deep. Um, and so when I got out of high school, I really wanted to go out west and, and get into some of the bigger fish, bigger water. Um, I lived the majority of my early adult life out there. And um, I ended up moving back to Pensacola right after Hurricane Ivan. So mm -hmm. that was going to be uh, 2005. And so, yeah, when I got back here, man, I'd, I'd been fly fishing all over the country. And so I just was like, man, I got to get out on the salt and uh, see what this fly fishing saltwater is all about. And so I was wade fishing primarily, um, yeah. redfish, speckled trout, stuff like that. Um, I bought a kayak. Uh, I bought my first house in 2006 on one of our bayous here. And basically, I bought my first kayak to extend my range. I was yes. wade fishing. I wanted to get away mm. from the ramps, get away from people, just get, get a little further out. Um, I was wanting to kind of chase some of the fish that I would see busting that were out of my range with my fly rod. 
Yes. Uh, so I got me a Heritage Redfish 12, and that's how it all started for me, man. Um, and it progressed pretty <laughs> yeah, quickly. Pretty quick. And uh, <laughs> pretty pretty massively as far as kayak fishing. So I could relate to that because that's what I moved to Texas in, in 96. And mm -hmm. I had fished all my life growing up, boats, banks, everything myself. But, you know, the same thing happened in Texas. I was like, man, I could pull off on the side of the road and walk into these spots and wade fish. So I couldn't wade fish in Georgia. And with that coastal marsh there, it's all mud. Right. It'd be up to your neck yeah. and mud and everything. Yes, so I was just like, man, it was like, you know, and then 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 that grew into that kayak bug when I was like, oh, man, there's I can get a kayak in here and go all up in here. You know, yeah. and it was like, didn't that just you increase your range again? Yeah, so, that's so I can I can totally relate to that. You know, when I started out in a, in a perception uh, caster, yep. 12, 12.5, you know, <laughs> same yep. thing. Oh, it was a uh, it was bright yellow. And all my friends right. would make, make fun of me because I kind of did a black fade on the the the, the bow and the stern, and, and everybody nice. called it the, the, the bruised banana. <laughs> ah, nice. I love it. So, yeah, so I can relate to that starting out on that low end, and then it just progressed from there. It just, ooh, yeah. I mean, it just, just took off. Took off, sure. man. Sure. So, yeah, uh, fly fishing. So you, you still get to do that on the – you do that now? You still yeah, dive I, that a little bit? Yeah, I don't – I don't do it as much as I'd like to. Um, you know, I, I fly fish, like I was going out West, you know, still some to go out to like Montana and fly fish, you know, every, every two, three, four summers, if I could, um, for a while there, I was still going to North Carolina every summer to get into that. But yeah, around here, you know, fly fishing for reds, fly fishing for tarpon. I really don't yeah. do it as much as I'd love to, uh, or like to, I, um, Got into tournament fishing, and so that kind of, you know, ate me up uh, as far as obsession, yeah. traveling, yeah. Um, and, and just being locked into the gear and being in practice with that. I mean, I still have all my fly rods, and I love to do it. But, uh, you know, I started out tournament fishing in salt for redfish um, yeah. with the IFA because that yeah. was kind of like the longest-running saltwater kayak series out there. Right, and, uh, right. We didn't have a division in Florida where I live when I first started. There was two other divisions, but my division basically was Louisiana. So yeah. I was traveling to Louisiana um, three, four, five times a year and um, doing real well with that. Uh, I did fish the first KBF Open on Sandy Cooper, the first national KBF that there ever was. Yeah. But that was like a long time ago. I didn't really do much bass tournament fishing. I did some onlines. Mm -hmm. But pretty much my, my deal was uh, the IFA and some some local offshore saltwater tournaments, stuff yeah. like that. Um, and I had a lot of success with the IFA. Um, you know, well, I guess we could get in. You want to get into tournaments and stuff later? Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll dive uh, on into that, too. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, so you said, you know, you, you fished that original KBF tournament on Sandy Cooper. So, yeah. so you, you did kind of dabble back and forth. So, you know, right. um, that transition from, from fresh to salt, you know, uh, especially targeted redfish, you know, uh, touch on that a little bit. Cause there's a lot of similar characteristics of them fish that, that, that there they are, <laughs> you know, a lot of people are intimidated from both sides, like going into it. But what uh. I found, you know, like I grew up, I never used a spinning rod growing up. Like, I, I mean, I used a lightweight rod. Either. Yeah, for trout fishing until I started fly fishing, but like all my bass fishing from when I was like five years old and up was all with the baitcaster. And right. so um, when I got, you know, when I started fishing for redfish, I, I dove off, you know, I got a bunch of saltwater, uh, you know, gear that would handle saltwater baitcasters, uh, the, the rods, you know, seven foot, seven six, medium heavy, uh, moderate or fast action rods, same yeah. stuff I would use for bass fishing. I just, it was, it was perfect for me, um, yep. except, you know, braided line. So right. uh, a lot of the same baits, you know, like my favorite, uh, top water forever has been a Hayden one knocker. I use that. Yep. I use spook junior. Um, yes. I use a lot of bladed jigs, uh, mm -hmm. you know, salt water, fresh water, um, spinner baits inline mm -hmm. and regular spinner baits, redfish, bass. Oh yeah. Uh, Jerk baits. I'm a huge jerk bait guy. Like if I had to pick one lure, it would be you know a hard jerk bait. So yes, love love mega bass. So I'm I'm throwing Vision 110s, 110 pluses, the trick darter. Um, if there's toothy critters around, I'll have like a Rapala Shatter app or a Shatter app Shad. 
So that's perfect, you know, for bass or for, for speckled trout. So oh yeah, definitely. A lot, a lot of the same lures, a lot of the same gear, and mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of the same techniques, you know. Um, so it, I, I cross over really well in that regard. Um, yeah, it comes really naturally to me. So I, you know, I have no problem. I, I see that as a as a as a kind of an advantage at, at a little bit being that to, to cross over back and forth because yeah. you're understanding the fish in both areas you know you're understanding how the redfish act and how the bass fish when a lot of times in some of them coastal estuaries that that have freshwater runoff you'll catch both in the same area oh yeah man i, I um, have a couple of my favorite <laughs> spots here I, I catch bass and redfish every time i go like yeah. in literally like back-to-back casts yes so, yes um, yeah we have a know, couple I, places like that here that are the same way it's very cool i mean i feel like you know redfishing um to me is a little bit more about it's kind of hunting sight fishing looking for um looking for them uh Mm -hmm. bass fishing for me is is very technical very much more technical and that's why i love it so much like you know i've been known to take 13 rods in my pro angler when i'm bass fishing you know just because i got a rod for everything i do um i mean it's three different crankbait rods uh you know oh yeah God, I mean, it's so I really love that aspect of it. And um, since I got so heavy back into bass fishing, especially the tournament scene, um, it really improved my red fishing and and speckled trout fishing just because um, just being more mindful of every little detail, because I often find like the subtleties um, of not only your techniques, but the way and the areas that you're fishing are the are what makes the big difference in being successful. Um, right. like, like offshore fishing for bass, you know, most people just yes. go back in the bank and, and just fishing their target fishing. But once you learn how to fish for bass offshore and yeah. learn what's going on underneath the water, like that knowledge to me improved my redfish game, like immensely, you know, because like, I'm not just casting to the bank. I'm finding the ditches, the yes. potholes, the edges yes. of the bars, the pinch yes. points. And even yes. if in, in saltwater, a lot of times it's three, three inches difference instead of 10 yeah. or, you know, but yes. it's a huge difference to those fish. And so yeah. that can really help an angler um, going back and forth in that, in that way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's some, there's a guy on the water the other day at a, a, a smaller lake I was at and uh, he was beating the bank, he was catching fish. And then he was like, man, what are you doing? What are you doing way out there? It's like, uh, set the hook and like catch like a nice <laughs> inch fish. And I'm like, Man, I'm yo-yoing a chatterbait out here. He didn't even know what a chatterbait was. So you got you got these guys that are out there that just never heard of things. And, you know, right. I, I like to be able to help. So I was like, hey, here, try one out. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. give him one on the water. Hey, this is what you're doing. I'm targeting this deep grass offshore. It's just starting to grow up through about half the water column. And I'm ripping this thing out. You know, I'm pulling it out of that grass. And I'm getting a reaction strike because it had heated up. The fish had moved back out. And that cooler water in that shade of that hydrilla. And we're That's underneath right. there just, you know, and I was like, I'm getting reaction strikes from them. I'm ripping it in front of their face. So he's yeah. like, man, that's that's so cool. I, I would have never changed even his, changed done this. World. Yeah. yeah. But just yeah. like you were talking about, you know, that little bit of depth difference in saltwater, um, you know, fish highways, you could call it, or the or the, yeah. the potholes and uh, that creek channel that comes off of the flats. It leads back to a pocket and opens back up. You know, you know, that yeah. the little things like that that you pick up on. Yeah, that, that, that's a plus, especially by bass fishing, yeah. because I know I use my graph a lot, but mm-hmm. I have I have lately, especially after getting side side imaging, I had started to use that targeting my trout and redfish also. Oh yeah, uh, especially in the winter time, fishing the deeper deep, deeper, deeper reef, pockets. Reef cuts. Yes, yes, yeah. that's been a big yeah. plus too. So, um, some of the areas you target over there in Pensacola, um, you know. What, what do you see changes as far as the season goes, as far as like a, a spring pattern to a summer pattern or right. anything like so, that? Any tips you can give on that over there? Yeah, so basically the way our system breaks down uh, in my area is we have like four major rivers. And all of those rivers come down into open up into bays. And then those bays are, are also connected to one another. And on the edges of all of those bays, there are little bayous and creeks. And so what we have here, um, you know, our trout will typically go to the river in the winter. 
So they'll go into the mud bottom bayous and up into the deeper like mouths of the river and they'll stage up where they can find a more consistent temperature um, as long as they have enough salinity. And, and even sometimes, man, I'll catch them way up river in these right. deep holes because yes. that's where that water is not fluctuating so drastically. Yes. Um, our redfish, they're kind of everywhere. Uh, yeah. We have resident redfish up in the river, resident redfish in all these bayous. Um, the main traveling of the redfish is going to be your, your bull reds because they'll You're come right. in and then they'll go out. They'll stay offshore. I mean, we do have some areas. We have a few bridges here. One that's pretty famous called the Three Mile Bridge yes. that we do a lot of work on. And uh, there, there are fish that are always there year round. But what happens is in, in the redfish will come into our system and they'll basically follow the menhaden around so like yes. when the menhaden are flushing out of the bayous into the bay we have a thing here called the running of the bulls and it's like two months of just balls to the walls acres of them on top basically throw anything in there and yeah. you're hooked you're up crush them. Um, it's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like nascar racing with boats and stuff so it's kind of <laughs> in the kayak but uh right, right but anyway so so seasonally, our trout, they're going to be the big movers. And, and obviously, the flounder, they, they go offshore to do their thing and come back in. Um, but our trout, they'll end up getting back out on the flats, on our shallow water grass flats, you know, end of February, March, definitely April and May. They're thick back out on the grass in the skinny, you know, shallow water. Um, the reds are pretty much out there year round. So you just kind of figure out what areas you like to fish best. Yes. Um, what, you know, where the fish are at in the largest concentrations and what they're feeding on. And, you know, just choose, choose that way, how you're going to be most productive. Yeah. I'm going to say that winter, that winter time trout bite in those rivers and bayous yeah. in that deeper water off of the drop-offs. That's, that's one that's of my favorite cute. times of the year. Cause a lot yeah. of people aren't going to go out there when it's 40 degrees right. and drizzle yep. and I'll be out there by myself in that's a kayak right. catching 20, 22 inch trout, like yeah. counting it down and waiting and I'll use that side scan and find them deep drop-offs, and I'll see them pick. I'll see them fish in there, yep. and I'll just sit on that one spot and pick them off and just have fun. Move on to the next spot. Same thing. And every now and then you're gonna get lucky and get them. It'll be a big old get red in there with them too. Oh yeah. <laughs> and right. a bigger, a big old trout in there with them. Yeah, there'll be a big old yeah, gator we, in there. We do us. our, we catch our biggest trout in the winter here for sure, uh, or at least the people who I fish with. I mean, you know, obviously you're gonna get lucky and and hook a big gator every once in a while on the flats with that one knocker, but, um, yeah. we do a lot of, we do a lot of slow rolling, like big line through swim baits, yes. um, savage gear, pulse tail mullet is, yes. is like my, my go-to yes. now. And so we'll, we'll be rolling, you know, six inch swim baits just as slow as you can roll them, uh, in yep. these, in these mud bottom bayous and the mullet yep. will be in there. They'll be all stacked up. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes the coldest nights of the year are the best because those mullet are in shock and those, those trout they're, they're, they're in predators and they're, they're advantage. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're, they're opportunistic feeders. And then, you know, that's what I've always touched on with some, some people that ask about that wintertime trout um, fishing is that, you know, uh, a trout 25 inches or bigger is going to by far go after that big six, eight inch bait yeah. than that little bitty old three, you know, inch. three inch little skinny Drugs. swim bait. They're going to want it. They're not going to want to. They expend five different times trying to catch small bait. They would rather expend energy to just to catch that one big bait fish and, and just like and a big be bass. done. Yep, yep. Yeah, just like a, just like a, you know, I, I consider trout over 25 inches are kind of like bass over seven pounds. You yes. know, like they have yep. very similar characteristics as far as what you're talking about, conserving their energy, making every eat count. Um, yeah. But one thing before I forget that I wanted to touch on. Yeah. Um, that's very unique to our area is our offshore kayak fishing. And that's a big part of my guide service. Um, when I first started for a couple, the first few years, it was primarily inshore fishing, but um, offshore kayak fishing really exploded. And Pensacola, uh, really Pensacola to Destin, it's very yes. unique because we have, especially Pensacola to Navarre, um, yes. the DeSoto Canyon comes up out of, you know, out from Louisiana and that deep, deep clear blue water like really the best area for it is kind of like from Pensacola to Destin and where I offshore fish. What's so great about it is you're like 
you're, there's a pass on either end at Pensacola and on Destin, and where yes. I fish offshore is right in the middle. So that. boats have to come out of the pass and go all the way down there, and when they'd rather just go straight out. Right. So for the first three, four, five years of me offshore kayak fishing, mm -hmm. we had like a little paradise down there. there. You'd hardly ever see any boats. But, of course, that quickly changed. But we got a great spring and fall run of blackfin tuna and sailfish oh, wow. here. Yeah, we're catching them, in, you know, anywhere from 30 to 60 feet of water. We have an extensive artificial reef system where yes. people have dropped a bunch of stuff. And now they've gone out there and they've, they've used a lot of the BP oil spill money to create yes. a huge system of artificial reef out there. And, um, you know, we catch snapper, 18, 20 pound snapper, um, grouper, trigger fish. We catch mahi oh, yeah. in the spring, summer and fall. Right. So it's pretty amazing. Like you got the guys down in South Florida, they got deep water right off the beach. We don't have yep. that deep water, but we've got amazing artificial reef system and we've got good, clean blue water. Yes. And you'd be surprised at some of the stuff that, that swims throughout there. I mean, we've, there's been like a half a dozen Wahoo caught in kayaks here, which is Woo. really rare. Um, Y'all get a good cobia run over there? Oh, and, and, you know, that's what we're famous <laughs> for. You know, we got the best cobia run. And, and, that's what I was going to say. Think, that's, that's pretty insane over there. Yeah, yeah, and it's happening right now. Unfortunately, with all this COVID stuff, they've had our beaches shut down. They just opened it back up this weekend. Yeah. And, um, you know, so we've missed a lot of the initial part of the cobia season. But one thing that we've learned over the years of targeting those fish is we actually in kayaks do a lot better kind of after the peak run comes through. Because for yeah. us, it's hard to get out there and compete with all the sport fisher boats, yeah. these five-story tall boats, you know, and, and it's actually kind of dangerous. But what we do is um, those fish will reef up. So like yep. we will actually go and target those fish near or on our artificial reef. Uh, structure, uh, yes. Yeah, near the structure. And so, you know, while everyone's, you know, running up and down, trolling the bar, we'll mm -hmm. just go straight through our right reef and, and jig or drop down yep. big live bait. And, and yep. if you're specifically cobia fishing, you're going to drop. And if one doesn't hit it pretty quick, like if you start catching red snapper and you yeah. haven't caught a cobia, you just move. Because cobia is going to yeah. eat. Yeah, they're going to eat if, if They're going to eat it if it's there. Yeah, that's yeah. right. They're going right. to eat But, you know, most people who catch them in a kayak here catch them when they're trolling for kings. So it's kind yeah. of an accidental thing. But uh, but we've we've learned a lot of little secrets over the years where we, we can kind of catch them pretty consistently. Oh, yeah. They like, pink. They like pink. They like pink over here. Them pink, uh, ho them oh, big yeah. hoes big hoagies oh yeah yeah we enjoy yeah yeah they, yeah hoagies yeah. hoagies are what we threw to them you know for for years now we have the savage pulse tail mullet right. and it's, those look it's like, real good too man you you're not gonna beat it it's the most realistic thing i've ever swam yeah, uh, I need, especially I need to the pick up some of those i need to pick up some of those i've been been eyeballing them and and the, those hooks that they have out now with the the twist yeah oh man the grip hook i'm telling yeah. you yeah Redfish, trout, and bass, you, you, I can, like, you can take that hook, once you hook that braided line into your split ring, you can yeah. twist that hook seven rotations easily, you know, so that's a, that's a huge advantage, uh -huh. you know, people think, well, the reason why everyone started that was to get rid of the split ring, well, that wasn't really the reason, the reason was just to add twist to it, so yeah. what Savage has done is they've got a really, a short shank, wide gap treble that yes. they added that braided loop to so that you can actually get those advantages but you can uh -huh. do it quickly and just connect it into your split ring yeah and uh, and i i have only lost one fish so far that i've hooked on the grip hook since i've started using them and so you know and i've caught well, the other day i went with my boys and and i no joke both the redfish that i caught both were hooked in almost the exact identical spot underneath the chin just out inside the gill plate and just have one little bitty skin hook and I landed both of them, you know. A lot of, so, a lot of times they're going to roll and, and shake their head and they're going to get that rid of that. Yep. Yep, for sure. Any for little sure. advantage like that's a plus. I, I'm definitely going to have to check those out. That, yep. that sounds really cool. So, yeah, that, well, well worth it. We'll get in a bat. You know, we're, we're, we're on top of the tackle um, topic right now so tackle box confessional let's get into that let's uh all right so uh what we got out. give me some of a rundown of what's your favorite little yeah. lures in your okay. boxes for your certain species right now 
All right, so I'm a big time I'm a big time hard bait guy. I love throwing top water. Sorry, told you the Hayden one knocker. I like yep. it in the baby spec pattern. I also always have a Spook Junior in the baby spec pattern tied on. So those two are always. I like the Sabil Bonga Mini. You can't get that anymore. Um, the new Savage Gear Mud Mini is an awesome um, awesome yep. top water to throw as well. Always have a Mega Bass Trick Darter tied on um, or a Vision 110. Um, and if there's toothy critters around, I'm going to have a shatter wrap shad because they're, they're like half the price. Right. Um, uh, the Twitch Reaper by Savage Gear is an awesome suspending. It's really more of a Twitch jerk bait. Uh, it's yes. kind of like Miradine, your large uh, MR27. So I used to always throw Miradines and I still do, but now I've got the Twitch Reaper. You can work it a lot faster. Mm -hmm. You can walk the dog with it. You can twitch and pause it. Uh, you can actually just reel it. Um, I throw Paul Browns. I like the yes. original, the fat boy and the broken back. I've always got those with me. Um, my soft plastics, I keep pretty simple. I'm really into the pulse tail mullet right now. I mean, I've caught so many fish on that since those baits came out. They got them from four inch to eight inch. They've got a ready to fish, which is like just a hook, you know, a swim bait with a hook coming out the top. Yeah. Um, they've got a loose body, which is a weedless. That's got a kill weighted, um, heavy duty super line hook. So it's okay. totally weedless. That's probably my favorite one because it'll come through anything. Yeah. Uh, and then they also have the line through in the six and eight inches. So that's cool. going to be tied on always. Um, I love Slayer. Uh, I've been using yes. Slayers for many years, the XL and the Grande. Yeah, Chris uh, makes some Chris makes some damn good lures. They, they got that good wobble, that good wobble to them. They got that. Right. Yeah, yeah, they got a good rhythm. Plastic. There's no plastic on the market, I'm telling you. That that and uh, Lunker City, they they're made in the same uh, place, and that plastic's the best. Uh, and then I'm always going to have like a fluke of some sort. I've always yes. thrown Zoom, or uh, I like yeah. the Turkey J. Yes. That way you can uh, you can if the top water's a little too much, say there's it's slick calm, you can walk that dog with that fluke, uh -huh. or you can make let it sink a little and walk it subsurface like a like a twitch bait. Yes. Um, that, that can save the day when they won't hit a top water. If I'm sight fishing, I'm always going to have the Savage Gear 3D Manic Shrimp or a Crank yes. a Crab. If I can yes. see fish, I've got a Crank a Crab and a, and a Manic Shrimp. If they won't eat that, you better take it to the house. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah they ain't going to eat anything. <laughs> um, and, then, and then I love also, I love uh, rattle traps. I throw them in, in, for bass and I throw them all the time in salt water. Um, and so, for traps, you know, I keep it pretty simple. Red eye shads, they work pretty good as long as you upgrade the hook. But one of yes. my favorite saltwater crankbaits is the Bomber Super Pogey. It's um, wow. it's an ounce and a quarter. And and if, if any of y'all haven't used it out there, man, you got to check it out. It's a larger profile trap. It's got saltwater hooks. They make it in three or four different colors. And it is, it's it's heavy. But you can easily burn it and keep it up out of the grass. I like to yo-yo it, like you were talking about yo-yo yep. and your, your bladed jig. I'll yes. rip it up and let it settle fall, rip it up, settle fall. I mean, I, my buddy Brandon Barton, he caught a triple tail, I think, in December at Three Mile Bridge with that trap just laying on the bottom. Ooh. So, you know, I mean, they just they just flat out catch fish. So I've always got that. Uh, offshore stuff. Um, Savage makes a whole bunch of stuff I use. I always have that pulse tail with me, the mullet, yeah. pitch bait. They got a, a great uh, 3D squid that they're making. Yes. They've got a glass minnow for a sling jig to get out there for bonita or small mackerel. Um, I love the Yozuri deep diver, uh, 20 foot deep divers. I'm a big pink believer. I love pink or like yeah. a white broken glass or the blue broken glass. Um, I tie up my own stinger rigs. Um, I'll do a three hook stinger rig, which is basically like um, two treble hooks snailed onto a braided uh, wire with a J hook to nose yes. up the bait. Yes. So I'm always trolling one live bait and one plug deep when I'm offshore. Right. Yeah. Um, and I keep it pretty simple. That's basically my offshore setup. I'll have two trolling rods, a pitch rod. Um, and then I'll have my, bo my bottom rod for, for yeah. going for the reef fish. Um, well, actually, but I have way more rods than that. Those, that's what I was going to get into the next topic. I was going to kind of want to touch on was, you know, as you said, bass fishing too, you could have 10, 12 rods. I'm the same way. And everybody's always like, why you got that many rods? I said, cause I don't want to take the time to retie when I'm in a tournament. I'm pressed that's for time. I want to have everything. I want to have my backup. 
uh, lures yeah. laid out in front of me. So if I'm getting short strike on that frog or getting short strike on that one knocker, I got yeah. a I got a spoon I can sling in there, or I got a fluke I can yes. sling in there, and then yeah. finesse them a little more and get them to yeah. eat. And and that's what I wanted you to you to touch on that uh, organization and prep yeah. and and how important that is to you too on tourney day especially. You know? Oh man! So you know everybody knows in a kayak you're limited on space. Even though a lot of us have really big kayaks, you still want to keep you want to have your gear um, as organized as possible. And even if you take all this stuff with you, you want to have it laid out yes. simple and easy. And I mean, I am you know blessed slash cursed with a bit of OCD, and so I have <laughs> I like. Feel a, you. You know, I have like a system to yeah. it all, you know, like you're talking about having a backup pitch bait, you know, like I, if I'm, if I'm fishing for redfish, I have a pulse tail mullet ready to fish. I've got a pulse tail mullet weedless. I've got my manic shrimp. If I see a fish right there and I've got my one knocker, they're all yeah. in the same place yep. that I always put them. They're laid out, ready to cast. Yep. Like you said, I do the same thing. I've got my backup lures position i know exactly where my, my jerk bait rod is always yeah. right here oh, my yeah. twitch creeper you know and so like when i'm in the moment you know i can just do it without even thinking mm -hmm. um so i'm i'm i keep my kayak as organized as i can possibly yeah. while i'm fishing especially in a tournament Term and when Definitely. i'm tournament fishing i might have if there's a jerk bait bite i might have four jerk baits rigged up ready to go you know yeah. what i mean or if, yeah. if it's going to be a good top water bite i've got three yeah. tops um yes. you know or, or if i know i'm going to be jig fishing i've got a swim jig i've got a, dra a football jig and i've got a bladed jig right uh, and and so the more you can really think about that beforehand mm -hmm. and and get it organized in your mind even write it down if you have to yeah um, and the more the more you do that you organize your gear your tackle and get a system of how you really approach your attack the more yeah. you do it, the more natural and comfortable, you know, it'll come. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because um, I, I set my kayak up the same way every time. My rods, yeah. if I, I if I'm going to be fishing the same style baits, I know exactly where they're at. I can reach behind me and grab that, yeah. that, spin, that, that rod with a gulp and a popping cork, or I can reach behind yeah. me and grab me that jerk bait. Um, or if the, like you said, top waters, I could have three different on. You know, I could have a Spook Junior, a big one knocker. I got a guy here that paints me some customs. You know, they yeah. might like something a little more subtle, little little less noise. You know, they yeah. might want some higher pitch like a she dog. You know, yeah. you never know until you're out there. So, you, you know, I'm not going to sit there and tie, retie. I'm going to have a couple different ones tied on. And I mean, there's times I'll have, you know, three different rods with chatter baits when I'm bass fishing. You know, I'll yeah. have three, oh, yeah. three different colors. Gold blade, green pumpkin. Yep. Yeah, three, yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yep. You got to you got to break it all down. Too. I'm, I'm really big on safety, you know, so yeah. I like to keep all of that stuff organized uh, as well. You know, I always have, you know, my PFD, I've got a fully charged VHF. I carry a fully charged uh, big Mopi juice box with my phone charger, just in yeah. case you were ever out there longer than you thought. Yeah. Um, always have a handheld bilge pump because I yes. have had um, some really dicey uh, things happen offshore where I've taken on water um, and stuff like that. I always have a sealed first aid kit that I vacuum seal that that stays in my kayak always yes uh, whistle reflective mirror I have a flag with a light on it yes. um, and you know I preach that you know I preach that safety I've been all about it for years I've got five sons that I want to come home to I've I've taught and educated right. in seminars and I, you know I can't stress that stuff enough I know people think it's cliche and they get tired of hearing yep. it or Yes. Yep. You know, oh my God, you wear a PFD when you're in three inches, three feet of water. Well, yeah, I do because I feel weird without my PFD on. Like, and, yeah, and I, you know, it's my tackle box on my body yes. and, and it gives me so much confidence. It's like when I'm trout fishing, fly fishing, my waders, they're just a part of my uniform, you know? Right. So, I mean, I feel awkward now when I don't have my PFD yeah. on, on my kayak. It just, I'll, it's I'll, just I'll, I'll touch on that for people and, and give you some perspective. Okay, yeah. I taught I taught water survival instruction in the Marine Corps. I've okay. surfed I've surfed all over this world. I I, I surfed in yeah. Hawaii, Big Sunset Beach. I didn't Ooh. wear I didn't I didn't wear a PFD, but I got a surfboard attached to my leg Rather. via via a leash. That's my lifeline on that board. If I lose my board, I got to swim back to the beach. If Ooh. I can get back on top of my board, I can get out of the harm's way and get out of that impact zone or duck dive under the wave and get get away. Um, you know, everybody's like, well, why are you wearing that PFD? You're only fishing three foot deep flats. I said, you never know what's going to happen on the water. 
And I get so tired of hearing these people bad-mouthing, oh, PFD Nazis, this and that. No, no, man. There's been too many people that have lost their life this, this, yeah. it's since kayak fishing has got so popular. And these people, get every on, get year. On, they get on the water and don't know anything. It's like, we. that's why you got to have an initiative to, to kind of get this stuff out here and get the people safety-oriented because I got kids that are trying to launch at some of these spots I fish with no 360 light, no PFD, nowhere, not even on the vessel. Oh, yeah. And you're like, dude, yeah. where's y'all PFD? Oh, we don't have one. Well, you're supposed to have one on the vessel. You got a whistle? It's before daylight. You got a light to mark or at least a flashlight? No. I'm like, man, that's a lot. That's a that's a big chunk ticket right there. But but most right. of all, your life's more important than getting out there and trying to catch fish right now. And, it and, is. And they just want to people snap don't back realize and, how hard. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's so hard for boats to see a kayak. Yes. And 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 kayak, even though we think kayak everybody knows about kayak fishing and stuff i mean yeah it's really popular right now most people are aware of it but like people have been fishing out of boats and they've just been doing what they do forever you know and yes. so like they're not even thinking about a kayak and so right. you want to do everything you can to be as visible yeah. as possible as prepared i mean i i've told taught this for years you don't want to be figuring all this stuff out when an emergency is happening no. you want to have you want to have a plan. You want to have all your gear. You want to have thought through this. You want to practice getting in and out of your kayak when you've fallen in. And no, a lot of people don't do that. You know, you want to practice right. your recovery, practice your surf launches, practice swimming back in with on the back of your kayak. You, yep. you know, you, it sucks to figure all that out yep. when when the SHIT hits the fan. You know what yes, I mean? You want exactly. to you want to have it all figured out prior to that. Because if you don't. So, that's when stuff's going to happen. It's going to go wrong. Yeah. Like and you it's said, not if. It's that that, that SHIT can go sideways real quick. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. I've seen it, sir. You know, I've seen it. So, man, that's a great subject to touch on. I really hope people, you know, take notice of that right there because that's uh, that's something I can't preach enough. You know, it, right. you know, we, we got to be safety warned out there. And, and if, if somebody is in danger and you're near enough to help out, that's even more of a plus that you can help out, too. So. You know, yeah, we're, we're a band of brothers on the water. We got to watch out for one another out there because I know the boats don't watch out for us. <laughs> I, I've had to sacrifice the last two and a half hours of my tournament one, one year at the IFA because one of my brother's kayak was sinking. And we were like out in the middle of a pass in Grand Isle. Yeah. And um, his kayak was listing so hard. It took three of us to <laughs> safely get him and his kayak back to and it wasn't even a it wasn't even a thought. I'm like, tournament yeah. brother no. in need. Yep. You know, yep. let's let's do this. Let's go. You yep. know, we let's made go. it fun. I mean, it was kind of sketchy, but uh, so yeah, that's it, it's all about safety, having fun, learning how to be more efficient. Everybody wants to catch fish, but but you want to come home to your family, man. That's got to oh, be the definitely. priority. Yeah, definitely. Well, speaking of tournaments, uh, you know, yeah. when you see, if, if you're gonna watch this on YouTube, you'll be able to see all that hardware I'm staring at on the screen right now so it looks yeah. like you've done pretty well in some of them over the over the years so you know uh yeah. i know you, you spoke of ifa you know we've had a few come through here and out in texas you know and and um man i was really looking forward to kicking off this season out here in it because uh the, the first one on the schedule here in texas was in my home waters of port lavaca oh. and I, I i was looking really heavily about man this is a good time of year it's gonna be on you gotta try it man I'm but it's uh mind. july july yeah i fished a couple of them at port aransas and, and did okay um uh, you know it's just uh you know it's just you got to find the right fish and get them measured and and uh oh, and yeah. stay on top but yeah they run a they run a good show man they run a good show definitely yeah they do uh, so that's that's kind of what i've done the most of um i was fortunate enough to win win the championship in 2016 yeah. Um, which I had been, I can't remember how many years I had been fishing it before that. I probably, it took me a while. Cause like I say, I, Louisiana was the division I was fishing, which is, you know, anywhere from three to six hours from my house. So there's not a lot of pre-fishing involved. And, you know, my buddies who kind of introduced me into it, they were all wanting me to come and they were sharing just enough information to keep us coming and taking our money. And, right, and, right, right. And then we started <laughs> finally, finally figuring things out. But uh, I won the championship in 2016. They actually had the championship in Panama City Beach that year. And oh, I wow. told them, I said, well, they have one over here. It's going to be a different story. And, uh, different. and I was I was fortunate enough to take that one. I actually won. I went back-to-back -back National Angler of the Year in 17 and 18, which was a huge deal for me, man. Yeah. Um, I had had a lot of success, you know, with placing in the top three, top five, second place. Yes. But 
when I when I won that championship, like things really started going good for me. Um, getting more consistent with my finishes. Um, and those those series of wins are what um, what ended up getting me qualified for uh, the Hobie Fishing World. So oh, yeah. in 2016, I fished the Hobie World 6. That was in Leeville, Louisiana, which is where I fished for, uh, not Leeville, but Louisiana, that style yeah. of fishing has what, what I've been doing, you know, seriously right. for like the past five years. So um, I ended up getting third place in that, which was just incredible. That's that was awesome. like my best. I mean, even though it was third, um, it was anglers from all over the world yes. um, in super, the most extreme conditions I had ever fished. And um, I felt really fortunate and blessed to come out with third place in that. That's that killer trophy right there with the, yeah. with the fish mouth. Slam. With the slam. Yeah, the slam. Nobody caught flounder. But um, so, yeah, then um, after I went back to back National Angler of the Year in 17 and 18, I got an invite to go and fish Hobie World's 8 in Queensland, Australia. So, like, awesome. For me, man, fishing in a kayak, like I got to go the furthest place away from my home and fish somewhere that I've dreamed of going my yes. whole life. One of my main sponsors, Crank a Crab, is from there. Yes. Um, I, I already had so many friends from the fishing community there. So when I got there, man, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I can't even tell you how they rolled the carpet out for me and, and just oh, yeah. treated me so well. And I didn't get the finish that I was after. I think I ended up 16th, which I was still proud of that finish. Um, I just lost a few key fish during the tournament. But it, for me, it was all about the experience of going to the other side of the world, somewhere that I always dreamed about going. And mm -hmm. and my wife got to go with me. And we just really, we had like a dream, dream two weeks, you oh, know. Wow. And it was just yeah. really, really incredible. So those are my two probably highlight tournament experiences. Um I've really been missing the tournaments because I got pretty, I, I mean, I've been serious tournament fisher, you know, angler for, you know, gosh, going on a decade now. And, um, yeah, yeah. I really miss it, but I'm going to be honest with you, man. It's been nice to have a break. I've really uh, enjoyed spending time fishing my local waters and with my family. Um, I kind of sacrificed a lot of that local fishing time because I had to, you know, you got to keep yeah. a balance in your life. You know, right, right. some guys can fish all the time, but I've got kids at home. I've got a wife. We both have our own businesses. Um, you know, so I really, the past three years have sacrificed a lot of my local fishing yes. so that I could travel and go and do these, you know, week, week gone tournaments, you know, here and there. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, gotta I, I, find, that's, that's some advice I would tell people. You got to oh, yeah. find the balance, balance, you know, definitely a balance. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah, that's what it, the year started off good. We had all these opportunities given to us with the with the Hook Bass Nation events and everything else. You know, I, I saw you at uh, at Seminole when yeah. I had the kidney stone and. <laughs> oh, me, man. I was like, I was, we were hanging out and then you were gone. And then yeah. I started hearing about a kidney stone and I'm like, no. Yeah, man, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Uh, yeah, it was rough. But then, you know, and it, with all this COVID-19 mess and, and, and all these tournaments, you know, a lot of them got postponed or canceled. So. You know, yeah. uh, uh, looks like we, we might see a couple popping back up in June and July. Um, I know we've yeah. been running some here. We've, you know, we've done a few online online stuff, COVID classic and all that. Right. Uh, but I know I'm really looking forward to that uh, Bayou Coast uh, Fishing Club. Oh, that man, uh, I'm Fallen, Fallen Tide, is that the one Fallen it is? Fallen Tide. Yeah, that's and, a, you know, that, that's been one of their most successful, longest-running tournaments. Yes. And they, they have been – their club, my local club, and the club in Mobile have been working for a few years now, coordinating with Hobie to try to get us a Hobie Worlds qualifier down here. And that's and it. They finally, they got it, man. I'm telling you, yeah. if, if you have any desire to come and experience an amazing fishery with, I, I mean, they they are that club hands down is the best club I've ever been a part oh, yeah. of. I mean, I live in Florida. I'm a member of that club have been for years. I fish as many of their tournaments as I can. They are a fantastic group of guys. They love, they're very competitive, yes. Yes. but, and they will cook. They will throw down. Yeah. I mean, if you like to hang out, have a good time, not yes. just drink party and eating good food, fellowship, camaraderie, that's what they're all about. And, and helping yeah. everybody have a good successful time. And, and yeah, I, I, I met all of them at, at Seminole. And then I ended up having Sean Rastanis, 
yeah. on, on the show, and we talked about Fallen Tide, and I said, I'm definitely going to have him on again, you know, a month or so before before that event and, and kick it off again because I'd like to get a get a group of Texas guys to go over because that's a, it's a, true tech, a true slam tournament. It's a Hobie Worlds qualifier. That's going to be an yeah. insane event. Uh, you know, they're going to make that pasta. Pastelaya, they're gonna cook it up. They're gonna have some good times. It's like, man, that's what I miss about the tournaments most of all. Right there is that fellowship and that camaraderie. That's where it's all about. Hanging out, you know, man. Man, I love to get trophies. I love to win money. But I, you know, for me, it's all about seeing you. You know what I mean? Like we knew each other all all these years on Facebook. We finally get to see (laughs) each other. Boom. You know. I got so many friends. Um, that's why the bass thing has been huge for me the past yes, few years yes. because, like, I've been such close friends with all those guys. We're teammates on all, a lot of our sponsors, and now I'm like getting to know this huge community of people in a deeper way, and um, it's just incredible, man. And let me tell you, you have got to get a group of guys from Texas because y'all skill set, the way y'all fish over there in Texas, will translate so good to Louisiana. Way better. It's way more similar than what we have here. Yeah. Like. You know, it's uh, and I'm telling you, there is nowhere like Louisiana when it comes to redfish. Like it's just I'm planning on going because I'm telling you one thing that did, this COVID did do for me was make me not burn up all vac- my vacation right now on other tournaments. Ah. So I'll, I'll have some left over for the end of the year. <laughs> that's good. That's so good. I'm, I'm, I'm planning on making that one. That that that's a trip that uh, Ian and Sean definitely talk talk me into because uh that, that seems like it's gonna be a, a mighty fine event. So I'll be I'll be yeah, good to go. Man. So. Before we wrap this up, I got one. I'm gonna put you on a spot about your your uh, your favorite species, your absolute favorite fish to catch. Oh, you have one, just one, just one. Give me that Man. one fish right now on the spot. Um, you know, it should be pretty easy, uh, <laughs> but for me, it, it's not. Um, I, if I have one, I mean, it's it's just not. It's not that easy for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, like, if I had to pick one, I'd probably say bass just because they live everywhere and it's so technical and it's beautiful. But, like, there's nothing like tarpon. Like, nothing can compare. I mean, until you've experienced it. I mean, it's the most frustrating but most rewarding fish, obviously, to target. And then I have a huge passion and obsession with large speckled trout. So, you know, for me, those are the three big ones, tarpon, speckled trout, and and trophy-class bass. if I had to pick one, uh, man, it probably would be bass. And that sounds crazy because of where I live. But, you know, tarpon, I love them so much, but I hate them. You it's know, a love-hate they, they love, relationship. Tra- yes, it is. And that, that, yeah. the big speckled trout can be that, too, because I've had plenty, of them, had plenty of them shake their head and sling my lure at right by the kayak. And I'm, they're big, some big girls. They'll break yeah, your heart. They'll you- break your heart real quick. <laughs> they do it. They're good at it. They're probably Ooh. tarpon and, and big speckled trout are are by far the, the two most difficult fish oh, to yeah. land, I think. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. Definitely agree. Um I've had the opportunity to 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 catch some of the smaller juvenile tarp, tarpon in some of our, you know, river estuaries around here. Um then right. we actually have some snook moving in a little bit. What? Further north. Yeah, I've I've caught snook up in my area. They're they're actually a lot more wow. Um, prevalent now being that we've had you know milder winters and all that kind of stuff we've actually had a lot of uh, mangrove no up and all that yeah i've caught i've caught two in the last year that's fantastic nothing, so we, nothing we giant have, but but yeah. i've caught some i mean they caught them somebody up towards galveston catch, already yeah somebody will catch one here every year one but it's like you know yeah six 15 16 inches and it's in a creek but it, they, they don't they don't do it here because of the winter you know we actually get a winter here yeah. You know that. So cool deal, man. Well, dude, I'm stoked you got to come on, man. It's been yeah. uh, been a, been waiting for you to get on here and, and, and get all this wrapped up and uh let everybody visit with you a little bit on this podcast here in this podcast world. So yeah. uh, right now I'm gonna give you the here. give you the opportunity to uh, you know give a shout out, support, sponsors, anything, what's on your mind, go ahead and uh give everybody some thanks if you want to. Yeah, man. Uh, first of all, Hobie Fishing. You know, I've been with Hobie since 2013. They're a huge part of my life, not just the kayak that that I'm in. Um, those people are like family to me. Uh, I've been real fortunate and, uh, to have those people as my sponsor and family, and, and I love them to death. Uh, NRS is a huge sponsor for me. They keep me in all the best clothes and clothing and safety gear and keep me warm and dry. Uh, i got a real great relationship with those guys. Torquedo. 
you know, what more can you say that yep. that gets me where I'm going quick, fast, quiet, clean. Um, very grateful to be a part of that. Uh, iRod is my rod sponsor, Matt Newman out in California. He's got a great rod right now. Great rods for a great price. I'd put them up against any rod on the market. Yak Attack, I've been with them. Luther was the first person to ever sponsor me back in the you know, first KBF days. And I love him to death. Uh, great person in the community. Yes. Um, with Picasso lures, I love their lures. Anything uh, bladed, spinning, jig, um, they, they got it all. Great stuff. Crank, I love those crabs. Calco's Fishing keeps all my gear organized. Um, yes. Boondocks, Boondocks gets me to the water. And, um, and then, you know, probably the, my sponsor that I'm most excited about, which is new to me this year, but I've been using their products for years is Savage Gear. And um, oh, I can't yeah. say enough about uh, the product that Jose Chavez is putting out right now. Um, we got some great stuff on tap that's coming that's going to blow people's mind. And, you know, if you don't know about that Pulse Tell Mullet, man, you better go get you some. I've given uh, me some of them. <laughs> do some of them and, and just tie it on and just, I mean, just chunk and wine, baby. And it'll, oh, yeah. it'll work for you. But that's pretty much my sponsors. I've got a few more, but that, that's the main meat of my sponsors. And they all take real good care of me. And, and I love them to death for it. Cool deal, man. That's a solid lineup, man. That's some great companies in there. I'm like, but I'm going to have to take you up on that Savage Gear uh tip and, and, yeah. and get some of them i've been eyeballing the pulse tail mullets i just hadn't pulled the trigger but uh i'm definitely gonna get some of those and put them to work i'm gonna have to put yeah, them to work they're well, <laughs> worth it. they're well worth the money you won't find a better more realistic swim bait that actually does the work uh for the price on the market i mean i've been throwing big swim baits for many many years and i've spent ungodly amounts of oh, money yeah. on them and that little lure right there will do everything they'll do i promise oh, yeah. you Sweet. Yep. Cool deal, man. Well, thanks for thanks for joining me tonight. Um, I want to say thanks to all the listeners for, for checking the show out. Uh, we enjoy having y'all uh, get on here and uh, give us a review and let us know how we're doing. So hit five stars, give us some likes, share this thing. Uh, you know, once again, we thanks Matt for coming on tonight. Yep. And, and thanks again, everybody for listening. Chasing the Tide, Saltwater Second. I'm Dustin, and I'm out. Thanks, Dustin. Thank you, bud. Go check out the website, guys. Paddle, the letter N in fin.com. Also, check out YouTube, youtube.com forward slash paddle and fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N in fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're doing giveaways, announcements, things like that at Facebook and Instagram at paddle and fin. Shout out to our show supporters, Rocktown Adventures, Loveland Canoe and Kayak, Hammered Lures, Fish Mob Lures, TRC Covers, Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com. You can put the paddle and fin logo go right on your catchboard. Don't forget to go over and pick up your Jig Masters jigs. Use promo code PNF20 and save 20% today. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. It helps grow the audience, helps others find our podcast. So please drop a five-star rating in on the podcast platform you're listening on. Don't forget about the Recycled Plastics program, you guys. Take your used plastic baits, put them in an envelope, mail them to the address in the show notes. Our man Eric Richards at Hammer Lures melts those down, makes new baits, and donates them to various chapters of Heroes on the Water.